0: Bit by bit, the ice melts, the snow disappears, and the ground becomes squishier. Welcome to The Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. There are so many things that we feel are decidedly American or characteristically Maine, but do not have any roots in these places other than those that we imagine or create. Sure, blueberries, lobster, maple syrup, and balsam fir trees really do come from this place, but there are so many others that we hold near and dear to our traditions and hearts that it is easy to forget that they have not always been here. Nothing is more American than apple pie, right? Wrong. We have the semi-arid slopes of Kazakhstan to thank for those tasty fruits. What about molasses cookies? How New England is that? Wrong again. Molasses is predominantly derived from sugarcane, which is native to Southeast Asia and New Guinea, but was predominantly sourced from South America or the Caribbean back when great-great-grandma was perfecting the family's cookie recipe. And this list of interlopers goes on. Maine coon cats, tulips, daffodils, pears, cultivated cherries, brown trout, potatoes, and for all you common ground fairgoers, those lovely aromatic crowns of sweet Annie. All from away, all here to stay, and all deeply ingrained in our cultural identity. But this time of year, few things say springtime in Maine like the splashes of colorful flowers that pop up overnight like fairy magic, under trees, in lawns, next to old wells, and in cemeteries. The beautiful blossoms of another non-native plant, crocuses. Crocuses are a collection of 30 or so species and a plethora of hybrids all in the scientific genus crocus in the iris family. They have fine, short leaves that blend in so perfectly with a mown lawn that the plants often appear to be devoid of leaves altogether. They are cultivated for their showy blossoms, which come in purple, blue, yellow, orange, and white. While most crocuses that I have seen around New England bloom in the early spring, some species will bloom in the summer or fall. One such blooming crocus is the much-prized crocus sativus, whose stigmas and styles, or female flower parts, are used to make the expensive spice saffron. While crocuses seem quite at home here in New England and across the northern tier of the United States, they are, like so many of us, far from their ancestral roots. Crocuses are native to the Old World, specifically from sea level to the alpine slopes of northern Africa, the Middle East, Greece, and across Central Asia, all the way to Xinjiang province in western China. In fact, the very name crocus, starting with a C, is derived from the Greek crocus, starting with a K, which was borrowed from a word of Semitic origin, which in turn was derived from Sanskrit, the language of ancient India. Be it fall apple picking with family or grandma's molasses crinkles, culturally significant plants conjure feelings and connections deeply entwined with our identity, regardless of their native range. It is no different with the crocus. Just thinking about stumbling across the first crocuses of the season popping up in neighboring lawns and on roadsides makes me feel the humid, cool air rising out of melting snowbanks. I can hear the squish of mud underfoot, and I experience a jolt of excitement for slipping into my waders and casting that first dry fly to a rising trout. Crocuses are to spring as a juicy ripe tomato is to summer, and a crisp sun-warmed apple is to fall. They are as significant in our phenology calendars as they are in our cultural calendars. So this weekend, you could connect with the past spring memories, present beauty, and future hopes by looking for your own local patches of crocuses. If local conditions are abnormally warm, they might have already bloomed in your area, or if local conditions are abnormally cool, they might still be getting around to blooming. Either way, these delicate little flowers are beautiful, lovely, and a sign of warmer, longer days. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by Apileated Woodpecker, made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.